Welcome. Welcome to the Porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics of the Bible, the Word of God, the things Yeshua said. We follow the example of the Book of Acts Church. They didn't have it perfect, but they had it right. And we need to get back to that. We believe the church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire of the upper room still burns. The porch has always been about restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining the world-shaking influence that the early church had. I hope that's what you're here for. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button, or write us at the porch at firefalltalkradio.com. The porch, all lowercase, at firefalltalkradio.com. Let us know what you think, what you're feeling, praise reports, prayer requests. If you have a need, there's a community of believers here all over the world that come together each week. If you'd like to be a part of that, let us know. If you want to support what we do, there are ways to do that on the main page. We appreciate each and every one of you that do support us. Just give us the Lord leads. We have needs. We'd like to do more, and the Lord will bless us as he desires. Welcome to all of our listeners, whether from our original Blog Talk listeners, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Podbean, SoundCloud, and um, any place else I may have forgotten. Welcome. We appreciate each and every one of you. On the live part of the porch, we always do praise reports and prayer requests. Since I'm getting ready to speak the word, I don't ever go into his presence without praising him and telling him how much I love him and how thankful I am. So I am. I am thankful for my salvation, for giving me back my wife and my sons, and that grew into two daughter-in-laws and a grandchild and all the furry kids he's blessed us with over the years. Praise him for the home that I'm sitting in and broadcasting from. All of his blessings which come from him from above. I'm thankful. Thankful that he loves me even when I've been unlovable. So I praise him for that. I praise him for protection and and that Psalm 91 covering I've taught and talked about. And I pray every day over mine, over me, over some of you that have asked me to intercede for you and cover you in prayer. Praise him for the dreams and the visions of living out Joel 2.28 and all the things that are getting ready to happen as we watch the signs of the times come to pass. Praise him for favor, for divine revelation, for being a new creation, and to be able to serve him in the family business, which I believe is so important. I believe he's getting ready to come back. Can't tell you when. I wish I knew. Really, really wish I knew. I know some of you do as well. But I'm going to act accordingly. I'm going to expect him at any moment. I'm going to do what he's called me to do. With one eye on the job and one eye on the sky and my heart completely on him. So let's pray. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Psalm 122 verse 6. May they prosper who love you. I pray for Israel. I pray for its leadership. I pray for America and its leadership. I do not believe that either country right now is... Oh, watch my words here. Do not believe either country right now is serving him. But recently he told me that he's getting ready 
to get people's attention. So we should get ready for that. Prayers for all the people around the world that are standing up to the tyranny and all the things being forced upon them by dictatorial governments. We are seeing aspects of the Antichrist and the spirit of the Antichrist, not just in the religious persecution, but in politics and in the running of governments and all the areas that they're trying to force us to submit to their will. Pray for the fatherless and the widows, the persecuted, the martyred, those poor in spirit and victims of injustice. I pray against the slaughter of the innocents in and out of the womb, both human and animal. I pray against human trafficking, sex trafficking, the diabolical satanic endeavor to enslave people for disgusting demonic activities. I'm thankful every time I read a story about those people being arrested and people being rescued, but it is barely a drip in the ocean of what's going on out there. I'm praying that God would restore everything that's been stolen from us, including our brothers and sisters around the world, being slaughtered for their faith, being persecuted, the anti-Semitism, the burning of churches, all the things we're seeing in our time. And it's only going to get worse. I know the Antichrist is out there. I believe that the Lord has held him back. I don't believe it's his time just yet. And the fact that people are standing up to him and doing what they're doing, I know it's not his time. So I am thankful right now that he is doing those things and protecting us as we go along. Praying for healing. I could use some right now dealing with a chronic sinus infection that I finally lost control of and had to go get some antibiotics. So if I pause at any moment, it's because I took the first double dose tonight. But we live in a fallen world and things happen, things that we cannot control. So I'm believing that he's going to change us, restore the dew of our youth and everything that we need to serve him. I'm praying for the doors to open, for the blessings to flow, for the needs to be met. If you've been with us, you know what we endeavor to do with Firefall, with SRT, with the porch. And unfortunately, in this world, that takes money. And we are thankful for the support that we have, but it is nowhere near what we need to get the job done. So my brother Larry and I, we pray every day. We beseech the Lord, we knock on the door, and we wait for the open conduit of his blessings to flow so that we can do everything we've called to do. Continue to pray for us, intercede for us, members of SRT, uh, the families of those on the porch, and our families. The only other, I have two others, um, Woody in Central Florida wrote tonight in the porch uh, message, Facebook message group, Five people from his local church have contracted COVID-19. Two of the five were already vaccinated, but they still got it. Keep them in prayer. I know that this is happening. I also know that every year people catch the flu. And we are no longer counting the flu. Everything is COVID-19 or now the Delta variant. I'm not going to go on a rant about that here. Some of you have asked me to resurrect reflections in the dark to do that. 
and I'm going to take that to the Lord in, play, in prayer. Kim in Fort Mitchell, she always starts out the greeting. Hope you guys are doing good. I'm fine. She's emotional because her son Maurice has gone off to college and praises him for that, but she still needs prayer for that Purple Hearts um, scholarship to come through to pay for his tuition, which is due in October. She's thanking Lord for her soul and for loving him the way no one else can. Praises him for her children, her family, for her, the porch community, for protecting us, she says, and providing for us. So she really misses her son, but she knows that you love him, Lord, and that you'll protect him, guide him. She's asking for prayer for Mrs. Judy. I'm not sure who that is, but she broke her foot in two different places, 70 years old, and needs healing. So if you will, continue to pray for her as you have for everybody. Remember, Allison in Scotland asked for prayer for her neighbor and his sister. Folks, please, if you're a part of this community, if you just dial in every week and listen to the Bible study, I'm not expecting you to do anything unless you want to. But if you claim to be a part of this community, please keep track of the prayer request. Larry and I talk about this a lot. With what we do with SRT, and I don't ask for this lightly because I know the retaliation that goes with it. But in SRT, we call it aerial support, and we really, really need some right now. Um, says, Father, protect us, getting darker, help me stay strong for you and save souls in Jesus' name. Before I go to the prayer, I want to read Psalm 30 to you. This is David speaking. I will extol and praise you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my en enemies rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought my life up from Sheol, the netherworld, the place of the dead. You have kept me alive so that I would not go down to the pit, the grave. Sing to the Lord, O you, his godly ones, and give thanks at the mention of his holy name, for his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may endure for a night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. As for me and my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. By your favor and grace, O Lord, you have made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face and I was horrified. I called to you, O Lord, and to the Lord I made my supplication, my specific request. Hear, O Lord, be gracious and show favor to me. O Lord, be my helper. I will give thanks to you forever. Lord, we thank you. We give thanks to you forever. And we shout for joy in the morning. We go to sleep at night with you on our hearts and our minds. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us when we were unlovable. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for wanting to be restored in relationship to us. We praise you and we love you. And we thank you for Yeshua. We thank you for sending him to die for us. We thank you for the blood, for the cross, the empty tomb, the upper room. You endured that pain. You endured the shame, Lord, and you did it all for us. You didn't have to, so thank you. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit who walks with us and guides us and teaches us and reminds us of everything we need to remember. I pray that we hear and I pray that we listen and do what the Spirit says do. So right now we take our thoughts captive. 
to the obedience of Messiah, we claim the mind of Messiah, casting down every vain imagination that would exalt itself above the knowledge of El Elyon, God Most High, our Heavenly Father. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Protect the technology. Say what you want to say. Do what you want to do. And I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. And if you agree with me, say amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. Combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So go with me to the prophet Isaiah. Open up your Bibles. Remember what I said, sound of the shofar means get ready, be prepared. Could be in Isaiah. I'm going to start with verse 21, but I'm going to jump around a little bit. Go from 21 to 23. I'll go to 26 and then 28 through 31. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, and he spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He brings the princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth useless. To whom, then, will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and see who has created these things, who brings out their hosts by number, who calls them all by name. By the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary, his understandable, his understanding, I'm sorry, is unsearchable. Let me say that again, because it all flows. I just suddenly started to look and see and feel the presence. Have you not known? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Have you not known? Have you not heard? What have you heard? See, this Bible study, this time together is inspired and, and there's more than likely another rant coming. Because I'm passionate about the Lord. I'm passionate about His Word. 
The reason I give you so much scripture every week and read it out loud rather than just paraphrasing and going through it, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You need to hear the word of God. It needs to get inside of you so that should the time come that we can't meet online and you can't get access to the Bible studies, you may not be able to get access to the commentaries. Just hypothetically, let's say something happened and we had a, the grid go down and there was no power. You couldn't even access the Bible studies that you've downloaded, and I know many of you do. What will you do then? The Word has got to be in you. So what I'm speaking to you is being imprinted upon you, being embedded into your heart, to your mind, your soul, and your spirit. Your DNA is recording it. So at that moment, the Spirit can bring it to your remembrance because it's going to come down to what have you heard? Have you heard? Isaiah 64, 4. Since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by ear nor has seen any God beside you who acts for the one who waits for him. Which ties to 1 Corinthians 2, 9 when it says, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Folks, we live in a fallen world. And you may not like to hear that, but I'm always going to tell you the truth and I'm never going to pull any punches. Never have, never will. You need to get prepared. You need to get ready. You need to know the word. I see people post stuff that clearly tells me they have gleaned, they have nibbled, but they have not eaten. They don't know the word. They don't know the Bible. 611,000 words long. 66 books. Long and short, written in different languages, Hebrew, Chaldean, and Greek. Written in Asia Minor, Greece, and Italy. And, of course, the, the Middle East. Written in various times during a period covering 1,500 years with an intermission of 400 years between Malachi and the New Testament. Forty different authors who, authors who did not know each other from different parts of life, different cultures, Egyptian, Jewish, Greek, Roman. And yet, it's one cohesive account, one theme that harmonizes together about a loving God, his world, and his purpose for his creation. A love story from Genesis to Revelation. Also a story of betrayal, redemption, and restoration. The Wilmington's Guide to the Bible by Dr. H.L. Wilmington, published by Tyndale House Publishers, says, Often God is thought of as creator a redeemer, a shepherd, a judge. This is correct thinking, of course, but he does indeed function in all these roles. But there is one great accomplishment of God which is almost left off the divine attributes list compelled by men. 
This wonderful but forgotten role is that of author. God has written a book, and that profound, priceless book is the Bible. As testified to by any human author, the nicest thing anyone can say to an author is, Oh yes, I've read your book. This book is not manipulated, not rewritten. It has been translated, but the variation between what they had back then to what we have now pretty much has to do with words that didn't translate or spellings or variations that does not change the message. This is not a man-made writing meant to manipulate you or create fear. If that's what you think, you're not paying attention or you've never actually read the Bible. You've listened to what somebody else has said so that you can accept their thinking. Around 1400 B.C., God quietly called 40 men and women into his presence over a period of time since he's outside of time, not all at once. Like I said, over 1400 years. And his heart was in it. And it was simple. He had a story to tell so that we would know how much he loved us. And when it was done, he gave it to us. He told the stories about Job, a rich farmer. Amos, a poor farmer. The educated Saul who became Paul. Then the uneducated John and Peter, fishermen. We have his half-brother James and Jude. We have many other people that participated in the story in one way or another. But the thing was this. He gave us illumination. He gave us revelation. And he gave us inspiration. And he did it all for us. He didn't do it for himself. He didn't need it. We needed it. The great men and women over the ages have recognized that. George Washington, the first president of the United States, says, It is impossible to rightly govern the world without the Bible. Andrew Jackson, the seventh president. That book, sir, is the rock on which our republic rests. Abraham Lincoln, 16th president. But for this book, We could not know right from wrong. I believe the Bible is the best gift God has ever given to man. I would preface that by saying outside of his son, Yeshua. Ulysses S. Grant, the 18th president. The Bible is the anchor of our liberties. Daniel Webster said, I believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be the will and the word of God. Famous author Charles Dickens said it is the best book that ever was or ever will be in the world. Boy, do we need that thinking today, especially in America. What have you heard? What do you know? What are you going to repeat? This is the time for you to get into the Word. If you've never tackled it, if you've You've never taken it seriously. Folks, I I do a lot of work. Part of the reason I, you know, the reflections in the dark thing is is a possibility. It takes a lot of work to do both. 
And as my family can tell you, for a period of time, that was all I concentrated on. Gave up every Sunday preparing for it, as I give up every Wednesday. But I'm not looking for your accolades. What I'm telling you is I'm doing this to get you ready, to prepare you. Just as I was a trainer, I was a very um, successful physical trainer in New York for a decade. Trained some famous people. Was the head trainer for a chain of health clubs. And I took that seriously. My desire was to get people into shape no matter what their age was. To take them from where they were to where they could be and where they needed to be. And that's what I'm doing here with you. Each and every one of you are different. Some come with more words. Some come with none at all. But as long as you come hungry and your heart's open and you're willing to put in the work, your life will change. But if you come and look at this buffet that I, buffet that I lay out before you, and you nibble here and you nibble there and you get a taste of this and you get a t- taste of that, but you never really eat, you're not going to be nourished. You need to get nourished. You need to get ready. Paulie Little wrote a, an article, Know Why You Believe. This is what he said. After 2,000 years, no question is going to bring Christianity crashing. God's revelation is designed to make us Christians, not scientists. But he made everything. He made everything out of nothing. He made everything good. The New Testament contains 38 references to Isaiah 53 and 24 references to Psalm 22. And why is that important? They both refer to the Messiah. It employs the phrase, the Word of God, 394 times in the Old Testament to refer to itself. Forty authors, single theme, linking God to man, man to God. The same web weave, that same scarlet thread throughout the entire Bible. The earliest book supposedly, they believe, authored in 1100 B.C. and the last one about 100 years after Yeshua's birth. What have you heard? What do you believe? What's going to happen when you don't have access to technology? Do you have a Bible? Do you have a tangible, physical Bible that you can access? You need to have one. You need to get one. It needs to become important to you. I'm looking around. I've got them, but they're out of reach. They're all over the place. I've got multiple ones in various rooms. And then I have the word inside of me. Billy Graham wrote a foreword to the book, What the Bible is All About by Henrietta Mears. I recommend it if you're learning. The message of God's word is a total answer to man's total need. It is the good news of forgiveness, faith, peace, power, purpose, and heaven. In the Bible, man discovers what he is to believe, what he is to be about, and what his future holds. Someone has written, if a man's Bible is coming apart, it's an indication that he himself is fairly well put together. What do you believe? What have you heard? What do you know? 
What can you share with the person about why you believe what you believe? If somebody came to you and, and said what was said to me this week, the Bible's a bunch of lies rewritten by man to create fear and manipulate us, that the ending isn't going to happen the way it says. And rather than lay out a treatise on why they were wrong, I just deleted the comment. Probably not the best place you come and put that comment. Romans 10, starting verse 11. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him who they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Be saved almost 30, we'll be saved 33 years this October, a few months away. And in all that time, I focused on the word. For a period of time, I got a little off. I began to teach the revelation that God was giving me about the Nephilim, about the end times, about the demonic, about the supernatural. If you've read my book, The Supernatural Battle, that's what it's about. But it's riddled with scripture, so much so people, I had a professional editor look at the book, and they wanted to cut a lot of that out. They said, create a secondary handbook, and I said, no. Everything I believe, everything I teach is held together by the word. The most important thing I could tell you isn't about the Nephilim, though I can, and was doing it a decade ago. Some Johnny-come-latelys think they're really knowledgeable, and I sit and listen to stuff that was pablum to me 10 years ago. But I don't care. Getting That's not going to get you saved. That's not going to help you walk your walk. Oh, it's going to tickle your ears. It's going to excite your mind, but it's not going to change your life. It's not going to make you love him anymore. It's not going to make you love his creation anymore. So what do you hear? Because what you hear is what you say. It's what you preach. It's what you report. You are alive right now, I believe, by his divine providence for a time such as this. And the thought that came to mind was what Mordecai says to Esther in Esther chapter 4, verse 14. And this is about what have you heard, meaning what are you going to say? He says to her, for if you remain silent at this time, liberation and rescue will arise for the Jews from another place. And you and your father's house will perish, since you did not help when you had the chance. And who knows whether you have attained royalty for such a time as this, and for this very purpose. How do you know that you're not where you are right now to share the gospel, to share Yeshua, to share his love, to share salvation with somebody who's on the edge of eternity, 
and getting ready to leave without their name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you're silent at this time, what will happen? But you can't preach what you don't know. You can't speak what you haven't listened to. So what have you heard? If you're here on the porch, if you're listening to me, I know what you're hearing. You're hearing the word. You're hearing the truth. You're hearing the gospel. And even when I give you opinion, I back it up with the word. And then I back it up with commentaries that confirm the revelation. Everything we're living right now, no matter how bad you think it may be, falls under the providence of God. That word providence means foreseeing, and it suggests the idea of providing for the future. What you're going through, the providence of God is providing for the future. It, in, theolo- in theological terms, it means God's continuous activity whereby he makes all events work out according to his purpose. Scriptures teach that God rules over everything. But remember, all things work together for good, for those who who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose, not according to your purpose, his purpose. Look at the things that happened in the Bible. Look at the choices that David made. Made a choice with Bathsheba, got her pregnant had her husband killed, took her as queen. That baby died, but the next child was Solomon. Ishmael came about because Abraham couldn't wait for God, but God allowed it to happen. It was his permissive will. So the providence of God is he understands the choices you and I are going to make, but he controls the physical universe. Psalm 103.19, the Lord has made the heavens his throne, and from there he rules over everything. Jacob 12 verse 10 says, For the life of every living being is in his hand, and the breath of every human being. Everything living is in his hand. That's why I say we've been such bad stewards of his creation, both human and animal. Incredible lack of respect we've shown for him. He, he rules over the nations of the earth, Job twelve twenty three. He builds up nations and he destroys them. He expands nations and he abandons them. We even see that he's involved in the affairs of individual lives like David, the shepherd boy who Samuel in 1 Samuel 16 is sent Samuel's been grieving over Saul, his rebellious nature, the choices he's made, how he has failed the position that the Lord has given him. This is what the Lord says to Samuel. You have mourned for long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king which then gets us into the sovereignty of God. Sovereignty means God is the supreme ruler over all. But we are free moral agents. We're able to choose whether we want his sovereign will and purpose for our life. Like me sitting here tonight, when I got up this morning, I felt pretty bad. 
And I thought, you know what? I'm, I'm going to take the night off. I'm just going to cancel the Bible study. I'll pick it up next week. But then I sat here and I began to pray and I began to realize, you know what? I have an obligation, but I don't do this out of obligation. I love the Lord and I love teaching and preaching his word. But I realize that I am servant in his kingdom. And this is what I'm called to do at a time when it needs to be done. An uncompromised, non-filtered, not watered down word from which I do not profit. I have no dog in the hunt. I'm not manipulating you. I'm not a false prophet, P-R-O-F-I-T-S. I'm a real one. I'll say what I say regardless of what anyone thinks, what it will cost me. But I have a choice to serve him. I know that everything is subject to his judgment. He is ultimately in control. He is sovereign. But you know what? He indirectly works through others. And I looked at what he did through Yeshua, through the Lord, his only begotten son. And if you look at what the Lord did for humanity, and what he did for the restoration of mankind, what he did for the beginning of this ministry we all follow in is the Lord did the heavy lifting. I mean, literally did the heavy lifting. But he left the job to do for his disciples and therefore to us. And that's why I couldn't sit down today. That's why I couldn't rest today. I see where we are. I see what's coming. I have dreams and visions and not all that I share with you. I'm not one of those people that gets a dream or a vision or a word from the Lord and goes on social media and makes sure that I know that you know what I've heard or I make a big deal out of it. If I share something publicly with you, believe me, it's because he wants me to and it's important that you know. Last week we talked Matthew 16 when Yeshua was in Caesarea Philippi and he said to the disciples, Who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? The Son of Man traces back to Daniel. That phrase traces back to the book of Enoch. Traces back to those days. So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And see, those could have been the right answers, but that wasn't what he wanted to know. In verse 15, he asked the question that you need to be able to answer. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter spoke up immediately and said, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Wasn't born again, wasn't spirit-filled. And that's why Yeshua said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I'll say that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Not building it on Peter, who is the sliver of a rock. Building it upon the rock, the boulder of the revelation. Who do you say that he is? Whose name do you know? There are some people who think they need to know all the names of all the demons. They're demonologists. They have certificates on their walls saying they've studied to be a demonologist. I could say a bunch of things, but I won't. But I will tell you that's a complete waste of time. 
The main name to know is Yeshua. If I need to know a spirit's name, the Holy Spirit will tell me. And the only reason I'll know his name and I'll get him to say his name because he gives up his authority when doing so, but I don't really need to know their name. But the discerning of spirits is the gift given to me by the Holy Spirit, so that already happens. So I don't need to go to a school to be a demonologist. I've been out there dealing with it while they've been studying about it. But that revelation, knowing who he is, has given us the keys to the kingdom. That the gates of Hades, the gates of the underworld, the kingdom of darkness, shall not prevail against us. So who do you say he is? Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? Is he your master, your teacher, your brother, your friend? And if you say those things, does your life show that? Right now, everybody's caught up in politics and caught up in what's going on in the world, caught up in this and caught up in that. And I do pay attention so I understand where we are in the prophetic timeline. But I'll tell you, if you don't know any of that, that's fine because you need to know who he is. Who do you say that he is? What do they hear you say? And what do they see you do? Does what you say match what you do? Philippians 4, verse 9. The things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, Paul says, practice those things in daily life. And the God who is the source of peace will be well-being and well-being will be with you. Let me read that again. My, my mind just went elsewhere. The things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things in daily life. And the God who is the source of peace and well-being will be with you. So as I said, this Bible study was based upon Something I posted on social media yesterday. This is what I wrote. Some people run to and fro looking for a, quote, word, instead of using that time to get into the word. Faith comes when the word is in you. When his word is embedded inside of you, trusting him is easier. He is as good as his word. Stillness comes from knowing him. Being still in the midst of the storm comes because he is your anchor. Stop seeking to have your ears tickled and seek to have your heart, mind, soul, and spirit filled by and with him. Stillness is standing on his word with him. Stillness brings peace, a peace that surpasses your understanding and obliterates all fear. When I see fear coming out of somebody, I can tell that they've not been in the Word. Well, they may have listened, they may have gleaned, they may have nibbled, but they're not seriously in the Word. Have you heard the Word? What are you listening to? Who are you listening to? There are some really good teachers out there, very charismatic, very dramatic, very um, technically proficient. But they're not people I would listen to. 
Jeremiah 23, 16, and 17 talks about them. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who are prophesying to you. They are leading you into futility. They speak a vision of their own imagination and not from the mouth of the Lord. They are continually saying to those who despise me in my word, The Lord has said you will have peace. And they say to everyone who walks after the stubbornness of his own heart, No evil will come upon you. Well, the Lord picks that up, Matthew seven fourteen, when he says, Beware of false prophets, teachers, who come to you dressed as sheep, appearing gentle and innocent, but are inwardly ravenous wolves. Kim mentioned the darkness. I've been talking about it, the deep darkness, for years. And I'm watching it get darker and darker, and I'm watching those things that love the dark coming out, hiding in the shadows, waiting for that opportune moment, their time. When it gets darker, we get brighter, but you've got to be burning. The light has to be in you. The word's got to be on your lips. His love has got to be in your heart. Ephesians 1.13, In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Do you think when you stand before the Lord, he's going to ask you, how many books have you read? How many seminars have you gone to? How many conferences have you attended? Tell me how many DVDs you've bought, T-shirts, trinkets. He's not. I mean, he already knows all that. What have you heard? And is what you've heard what you need to hear? And what are you going to say when they ask you for the hope that was is within you? First Thessalonians 2, verse 13. And we also thank God continually for this, that when you received the word of God concerning salvation, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of mere men, but as it truly is the word of God, which is effectually at work in you who believe, exercising its inherent supernatural power in those of faith. Are you one of those people of faith? If not, no condemnation. Become one. Spend the time in prayer. Spend the effort. Turn off the TV. Cut the cable if you have to. Whatever your idol is that keeps you from having the relationship you need to have and knowing the word you need to know, I don't want your opinion. I tell people who disagree with what I teach, don't give me your opinion. Bring me the word. And if you can... Show me what the Lord says about it. Sir Isaac Newton said about the time of the end, a body of men will be raised up who will turn their attention to the prophecies and insist upon their literal interpretation in the midst of much clamor and opposition. Now that 
includes what I said about false prophets. Matthew 24. All the others about what happens at the time of the end. Literally. We're seeing it happen. Right before our eyes. Do you know them? Do you know the signs of the times? Are you fooled into thinking, oh, the millennial reign's already come and gone. We're in it right now. It's not literal. It's figurative. Jesus isn't coming back in bodily form. That's just a story. It's an allegory. Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, and I know that I know that I know, and I stake my life and even my soul on it. I've seen. I've been in the Spirit. I know what's coming. It lines up with the Word. Some of those things I saw before I knew the Word. It's real. The enemy is real. Hasatan is real. The Lord is real. We're living in a time of 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine and accurate instruction that challenges them with God's truth. But wanting to have their ears tickled with something pleasing, they will accumulate for themselves many teachers, one after another, chosen to satisfy their own desires and to support the errors they hold. And will turn their ears away from the truth and will wander off into myth and man-made fictions and will accept the unacceptable. We're watching a falling away taking place in the church right now. The people, not the buildings. They're falling away from the truth. They're falling away from the word. They're falling away from the Lord. They're falling away from what he taught and what he spoke. I pray for them, the ones I know. But I know the end will not be good for them that do not repent and find their way back. Some never will. Some have wandered so far away from the truth and away from him that they'll stand before him and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, perform miracles in your name? And he's going to look at them and say, I never knew you, you who practiced lawlessness, you who practiced sin, you who didn't do what my father told you to do. I never knew you. One of the most frightening aspects of Scripture and anything the Lord has ever said, that people thinking that they know him because of signs and wonders and the external aspects of religion, he's going to look at them and say, I don't. Not only do I don't know you, I never knew you. So what have you heard? Have you heard about the Lord, great and mighty? Have you heard about the only begotten Son of God? Who lived and died and sacrificed himself for you and shed every drop of blood on the cross and rose from the grave and sits at the right hand of the Father. See, that's what changes people's lives. Not prophecy, not eschatology, the word and the truth. You want to get somebody saved? Take them to John chapter 3. Tell them about the Lord. Whatever else they need to know, the Spirit will fill in. 
Tell them about Yeshua. Tell them about a God that loved them so much that he paid their price for them. Remember that scarlet thread, Genesis to Revelation. All those books of the Bible, all those authors, all the period of time that he pulled them all together to write a book for him was for that reason. And while these other books are, they're okay. I have a lot of them, some of which I didn't buy, didn't want to buy. I hope I didn't, I didn't like the fact that I spent money on them. Many of them I got for free. Some, now I get to pay for Kindle Unlimited and I read them and I save some notes, but I don't buy each one of them. And boy, I wish I could have done that. I got boxes of books I'll probably never read again. Some of which I've thrown across the room while reading them because they were so out of order. But one book I've never thrown away, and I have every Bible I've ever owned. My first Bible is held together with uh, Gorilla Tape because it has completely come apart. It's the one I take with me when I go preach or teach or do things with SRT. It's It's my main weapon. It's my main Bible. Pastor Shelley, in the days that he would go out and preach or teach, he had a Bible held together by rubber bands. I get it. I always wondered why don't... I even said to him one time, why don't you just get a new Bible? He just looked at me and smiled, never answered me. I know now. I know why. What have you heard? Lord, I pray that your children have heard. I pray that they've listened. I pray that they're hearing with ears that you've opened and eyes that are allowing them to see. I pray that you're stirring them up right now for a desire for you, to love you. I'm praying that they would know you in such a way that they can't be shaken. That no matter what's going on in their life, they trust you. They believe you because of what your word says. Not because of what I've said. I pray that what I've said has been good and they've feasted upon it. And if it's not, they'll forget it. But that they remember you. How much you love them. What you've done for them. Lord, I pray that everything, everything, everything we need right now in this world, in this fallen, ungodly, disgusting world would be given to us by you. Before we go, I just want to start. I want to pray for you each to be healed, whole, heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. For whatever lesson you need to learn, for what you're going through, that you learn it. For every Ishmael in your life that in your life that you've created, that he would forgive it, and that you'd have Isaac, his perfect will. If you've stumbled, get up, dust yourself off, say I'm sorry, and then ask them to help you fix what you messed up. Been there, done that. A contrite heart is what he wants. And Lord, I pray your word would burn inside of us. A fire for you, a love for you would burn right now that we couldn't but help tell people about you.
being bold enough to say, can I pray for you? Saying, I don't know what you believe, but can I tell you about the one who saved me? Holy Spirit, have your way. Do whatever it is you need to do in us for this day, for the kingdom, for his glory. In Yeshua's name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grun. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. Thank you.